This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode. It's a big episode. It's our college football playoff preview episode, one of the biggest of the year, and it's going to be a fantastic college football playoff. I am so excited for both of these games. I'm excited for these matchups. I love how different these two matchups are. I think that's part of part of what is going to make this a very, very fun college football playoff, the last of the four-team era, and maybe the best two semifinal games we've ever had. So I can't wait to dive into that. But first, a reminder, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle, at Gorg on Sports. I'd love to hear from you there because I want you to be a part of the show. And the best way to do that is to hit me up on social media. I am not really going to be going through the New Year's Six games. Not not really. I'm not going to be going through the New Year's Six games or the Friday Bowl games at all as part of this show. I Once I started diving into things and looking at the CFP, I really wanted to focus my attention there and focus this show there because... The matchups are so good. It is what matters in the sport right now. And we can have a bigger debate, bigger conversation at a, a, another time about whether that's good or bad for the sport that we have all these bowl games that don't feel necessarily as relevant as they once did. And they probably will only continue to be diminished in, in importance as we expand to a 12-team playoff. We can have that conversation another time, but that's kind of how I feel about a lot of them right now. Weirdly enough, more so the New Year's Six than some of these midweek bowl games. And I guess it's because you, you don't have as many opt-outs in, for example, an NC State Kansas State game as you do in that Florida State Georgia game and maybe Kansas State NC State's a bad example because Kansas State does have a lot of guys leaving it via the transfer portal so you're not seeing their full team there but you you do have some interesting things going on in that game um there so there's some of these mid mid-tier games that are just below the New Year's Six, I think are still a little more interesting than the actual New Year's Six but what matters for most college ball fans is this college ball playoff. So I want to focus my attention there. Uh, I might be putting out some picks on social media, on Twitter on for, for the games on Friday and Saturday. So uh, make sure you stay tuned there again at Gorgon sports for all of my latest picks and whatever I end up playing on Friday and then Saturday with those New Year's Six games. But let's get right into it now. Let's talk about these two college ball playoff games. It's a college ball playoff edition of the Showdown Breakdown. And before I dive deep into each of these games, just a reminder on what I've done as far as national title bets uh, are concerned. So before the season, I took Michigan 10 to 1 to win the national title. In the season, I took Texas at 11 to 1. Then after they lost to Oklahoma, I hit them again at 20 to 1, that one for half a unit. And then just last week, as a little bit of a hedge on those two national title futures, I took Washington at 7 to 1 to win the national title for one unit. So essentially, if anybody but Alabama wins the national title, I will profit. 
uh, if Washington wins, I'll win four and a half units. If Texas wins, I will win 19 units. And if Michigan wins, I will win seven and a half units. So I think it's pretty clear where my rooting interests lie. And let's start with that first game. Number one, Michigan versus number four, Alabama in the Rose Bowl, the team that I have been high on all season, all last off season versus the only team that I won't profit on if they win the national title in Alabama. The line on this game, Michigan minus one and a half. There's a minus one out there at Bet Rivers. If you're uh, looking to take that for as far as a money line is concerned, concerned it's anywhere between Michigan minus 118 to minus 130 and Bama even money to plus 108 the total is 45 I've seen it as low as 44 and a half at FanDuel and how I'm gonna play this game is I'm gonna take the under I'm taking under 45 in this one these two teams clearly the strength of each of these teams is their defense. These are two very good defenses. We could talk stats on stats on stats all day about Michigan, but Michigan did an excellent job this year against a really overmatched schedule of not letting teams get scoring opportunities and shutting them down when they actually did get scoring opportunities. Uh, They controlled the game with their running game. They controlled that game flow with their running game. And that of course helped to keep some of those point totals lower. Uh, Michigan just did not give up a lot of points this year because of the strength of its defense, because of the way it controlled the game with its running game. And even against teams, the, the, the stronger teams in the big 10 Penn state only able to put up 15 Ohio state put up 24, which was actually the highest point total. Anybody put up against Michigan all year, uh, Maryland and Ohio state both put up 24 points against the Wolverines. This is a really strong Michigan defense at across all three levels of the defense of the teams that are remaining in the college ball playoff of these four college ball playoff teams. Michigan is the best at creating havoc, uh, creating havoc on 20 one percent of non-garbage time plays this season uh, an excellent number there uh, and they were really good at creating havoc with their defensive backs as well their defensive back havoc rate was nine percent uh mike sanderson one of their dbs you felt like every time you watched a michigan game every time you watched a highlight anytime you read about michigan sanderson was making some sort of big play he was picking off a pass he was breaking up a pass he was doing something and he led the team with five interceptions on the season the defense is the strength of both Alabama and um, of Michigan now Alabama I don't think the their defense is quite where Michigan's is. They've had some really good performances over the course of the season, but it's still a, a defense that gave up 244 rushing yards to Auburn, nearly six yards per carry. And now I know 
Auburn. It's a it's a rivalry game. I know uh, Hugh Freeze has a track record of being able to scheme things up for big games like that one. I know Auburn put up some rushing yards on Georgia as well, but it's still something that makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit. It hasn't exactly been the uh, it, it hasn't exactly been the most dominant defensive unit we've ever seen at Alabama, and it hasn't been as dominant, I don't think, as Michigan uh, has been. Now, where they've been really good, where they are really good, is in their secondary. Uh, their defensive passing play success rate is just about the same as Michigan's. Uh, Michigan, uh, 33% success rate Alabama a 34% success rate on on passing plays there those are two of the better numbers in the country there in fact both are in the uh, top 15 nationally Michigan at number four Alabama at number seven there and uh, just to clarify when I talk about success rate from a defensive perspective the lower number is better because we're referring to how often the offense has success so uh, offenses throwing the ball are having success against michigan's defense 33 percent of the time just slightly more against alabama at 34 percent of the time my point being with all of this i think these the, the strength of these two teams are clearly their defense's uh, offensively, Michigan has run the ball, run the r- ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's a great recipe for an under. Alabama, where they have really thrived and what they've needed to score is by hitting big plays in the passing game. Bama is in the top 20 in pass plays of 20 plus and 30 plus on the season. But where Michigan has excelled is they've given up the third fewest pass plays of 20 yards or more. They've given up less than two per game. They have been really good at making you get a few yards at a, at a time of being of, if you want to beat Michigan, you have to have success on a down by down basis because they are just not giving up big plays through the passing game. And I think that's going to really be a challenge there for Alabama. So I really like this under 45 in this game. I see it being a defensive struggle. Some of the other bets I like in this game, and I got a few player props, and that's something I tried to really look into and put together for both of these games, is I'm going to go with Jalen Milrow, under 32.5 rushing yards for the Alabama quarterback. Because we all know how explosive he can be with his legs. We all have seen what he can do with his legs. But Milrow has also been sacked a ton this year. And when you're betting rushing props with quarterbacks, that's really important. Because that that sack yardage is combined with the rushing yardage. And it, it all goes into one big number of rushing yardage. So if he rushes for 50 yards but takes 30 sack yards it ends up being 20 rushing yards for for Milrow and you would end up winning that bet and early in the season he was getting sacked a ton uh against Texas five sacks Ole Miss four sacks Mississippi State four sacks A&M six sacks Arkansas five sacks it's gotten a lot better over the last four games of the season uh he he 
took two sacks against LSU, none against Kentucky, one against Chattanooga, one against Auburn. But then again in the Georgia game, he took four more. He had 29 rushing yards in that Georgia game. I look for something similar here. I talked about Michigan really good at getting after the quarterback, really good at creating havoc, and I think they get a couple sacks, which suppresses that rushing total for Milrow. I'm also going to be playing the rushing prop for the other quarterback, the Michigan quarterback. I'm going J.J. McCarthy over 15 and a half rushing yards in this game. I think J.J. McCarthy was banged up at the end of the season. I think that they were really trying to limit J.J. McCarthy, especially in that Penn State game where they just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and didn't let him do a whole lot. But we saw against Ohio State, J.J. McCarthy does have legs. He can move. We saw it last year against TCU in that game they lost. They let him loose. They let him run a little bit. He ends up with 52 rushing yards in that game. In fact, last year, they let him run a little bit more at times. When they played Penn State last year, he had he had 57 rushing yards in that game. I think they are going to pull out all the stops in this one. I think they need to pull out all the stops in this one. And I'm going to take J.J. McCarthy over 15 and a half rushing yards. I'm also going to take McCarthy to score a uh, anytime touchdown, so that's rushing or receiving, uh, and the odds on that are plus 440, so almost four and a half to one. I'm going to put a half unit down on that one, that J.J. McCarthy scores a rushing or receiving touchdown at some point in this game, because again, I think they are going to have to let him loose in this game. I think they're going to have to pull out all the stops to score. I don't think they're going to have success just beating their head against the wall and running power it's not playing Alabama is not the same as playing Rutgers or Maryland or Purdue or Iowa even it's a different ball game I think they're going to need more offensively and I think JJ McCarthy is if not the biggest playmaking threat on this team one of the top couple I think he's a supremely talented quarterback I think he has a lot more to offer than what we've seen and I I'm willing to bet at almost four and a half to one odds that he gets a rushing touchdown in this game so I like that one at a little bit of a price here now let's talk about what has to happen for each of these teams to win this game. So let's start with the one seed Michigan. And I think from a Michigan perspective, if they want to win this game, they need to make Jalen Milrow hit singles and doubles instead of homers. And what I mean by that is Milrow throws a great deep ball. He's very successful going down the field, but where he struggles and where this Alabama offense struggles a little bit more is in that mid range. And if they can take away those deep passes, if they can take away his run game, then I think this Alabama offense is going to be in trouble because I haven't been super impressed with Alabama's run game outside of Milrow this season. And I think if Michigan can do that, then they'll have a really good chance to win this game. I also think they need to unleash J.J. McCarthy, as I was just talking about. My biggest problem with Michigan this season, as someone who bet Michigan, who thought this team had all the pieces to win a national championship, is I don't know 
that they did enough to develop J.J. McCarthy over the course of the season where if they get in a game like they did last year against TCU where they have to win a shootout, that they have the experience doing so. And that's a really very real possibility that they could play Washington in the national championship game and Washington would want to play uh, a fast game where they go up and down the field and try to score a lot of points. And if they were successful in doing so, J.J. McCarthy and that offense would have to match them if they want to win a national championship. And I talk about it all the time. It's probably the number one thing I talk about on this podcast in both football and basketball. I want to see teams that can play left-handed. I want to see teams that can win in a variety of ways. And Michigan went out this year and they sat on teams. They used their defense, they used their power running game, and they just sat on teams. And that's fine, and it was effective, and they're undefeated, and they're in this position. And hopefully, you would love to think that in practice, they are doing things, they're working on wrinkles, they're uh, doing things to develop J.J. McCarthy and make him feel comfortable if he gets in a situation where he does need to throw the ball, I don't know, 35, 40 times in a game. Last year against TCU, he had to throw the ball 34 times in that loss. But there is a difference between practice and and game situations. There is absolutely a difference. And I think it would have been worth it in some of these games, a game like Nebraska on the road, Minnesota on the road, to give him an opportunity in the second half of some of these games to go and to go and do that, to get real life, real game experience doing what you might need to do in a college football playoff situation. And I mentioned Nebraska and Minnesota specifically because those are two teams with good defenses. And those are and those were games where Michigan handled those teams pretty easily. 45 to 7 win over Nebraska and I think it was a 52, yeah, it was a 52 to 10 win over Minnesota. These were games where they could have given McCarthy an opportunity to throw the ball more. They could have given him game situations to develop. And I think if you if you look back at this season, if Michigan doesn't win the national championship this year, there should be real questions about the way they handled that this season and why they didn't play through more opportunities that would challenge them when they already had the game in hand. I'm not saying you, you need to put yourself in a situation where you're going to lose a game, but when you have a game in hand, you don't just need to run the ball 20 times when you're trying to win the national championship. You need to find ways to develop your team over the course of the season. And I'm not sure that Michigan, or at least that we've seen, those of us outside the program who watch on Saturdays, I don't know that we've really seen them get better over the course of the season. So I want to see them unleash J.J. McCarthy. I want to see see them unleash that offense because I think he is supremely talented. We've seen him make plays with his legs. We've seen him make really impressive throws rose uh, there's a couple against ohio state that come to mind i want to see them unleash him in this game and i think if they do they'll win the game now how does alabama win 
Well, first they got to stop the run because that is what Michigan has wanted to do all season is, is run the football. I just spent the, uh, five minutes talking about how they didn't let J.J. McCarthy do enough. They need to stop the run, and they need to make J.J. McCarthy beat them because as good as I think he is, he hasn't gotten those game reps, and that's not what Michigan wants to do. Michigan wants to run power, and they want to run it down your throat. And if you can take them out of that, if you can get them in in long down and distance situations, third and seven, third and eight situations, that's not where they want to be. That's not what they want to do. I think that's a huge key for them. Now, if Bama can find a way to hit some of those home runs in the passing game, that will be huge as well but I think it's going to be a real challenge for them. I feel like this whole game is going to come down to whoever can do what they don't want to do better. So for Michigan, that would be using J.J. McCarthy in a way that they haven't used him. If they can't run the ball, how effective can they be in the passing game? And then for Alabama, it's using Jalen Milrow to hit singles and doubles and take what the defense gives you instead of hitting home runs. Because if they do hit those singles and doubles consistently, if he completes those five, seven, 10 yard passes, it's going to give them an opportunity to open up some of those 20, 30 yard pass plays down the field. So I think that's going to be huge. Whichever one of these teams can do what they don't want to do the best, I think will ultimately win this game i am not gonna be betting this game because of my future bets uh i just am gonna stay away i'm gonna bet the the total i'm gonna bet those player props i one of the things i really pride myself on as a gambler is being somebody who will take new information and apply it and not be stuck in what i thought one two three four six months ago i liked michigan all the way since last summer. I've liked them since the last season ended. I thought they should be the favorite. But in listening to a lot of smart people, in watching these teams, and watching how Michigan has developed, I'm questioning whether they are truly prepared to win this game. It's not going to shock me if they win this game, but they are not at the point where I am out here saying, hey, I have this 10 to 1 bet on them. Give me more Michigan right now. I don't think I want more Michigan right now because I'm not entirely comfortable with what they have done to progress and grow as the season has gone on. I think they have an excellent defense. I think they have an excellent running game. I like J.J. McCarthy. I just would have liked to have seen them let him do more over the course of the season. So I am not going to bet this game on a spread or a money lo- from or from a spread or a money line perspective. I guess if I had to, if you're saying you got to pick one side here, I guess I would take Alabama and the points. I'd guess I'd take that one and a half because I think it's going to be a low scoring close game. And I think it's a, it's kind of a toss up game, but I will stick with the under and I will play those player props. Jalen Milrow under 32 and a half rushing yards, JJ McCarthy over 15 and a half rushing yards and JJ McCarthy, anytime touchdown. So rushing or receiving 
plus 440. Now let's move on to the second game because this is the game I am actually most excited for. And it's such a different game than that Rose Bowl, that Michigan Alabama Rose Bowl. It's number two Washington versus number three Texas. Texas is a four or four and a half point favorite in this game. That four and a half is out there at FanDuel. Uh, Texas is a somewhere between a minus 182 to minus 190 favorite on the money line, while Washington is between plus 148 and plus 158 on the money line. This total is a little bit of a range on this total. You can get it at 62 and a half, 63 and a half, or 64. And the first bet that I have on this game is over 62 and a half. I see this one as a shootout, shootout, shootout. I know it kind of looks obvious on paper, but that's because it is. These two teams both have excellent offenses. Washington's offense is outstanding. Texas's offense is outstanding. Both teams are in the top 20 in plays of 20 plus yards and 30 plus yards on the season. They are explosive offenses that can score at any time. They both both also have outstanding play callers in head coach Steve Sarkeesian at Texas and Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator at Washington now and Kalen DeBoer, uh, a former offensive coordinator, the head coach at Washington is a pretty good offensive mind himself. I love the fact that these two coaching staffs have had uh, a month to prepare for this game. Uh, from a passing perspective, we know about Michael Penix and that Washington receiving core. They got the three-headed monster there they, with a uh, Romo Dunze, uh, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan. It, it's a great receiving core. We've been talking about it all season, and they went out and they've proved it over the course of the year. Over the course of the year, they have been explosive. They are number two in the country in passing plays of 20 plus yards, number two in the country in terms of passing plays of 30 plus yards. Now on the other side, Quinn yours is a guy that I doubted coming into the season for Texas. And again, I pride myself uh, as somebody who can take new information, learn and apply it as the season goes on and hopefully use that to be profitable. And as I watched that Texas-Alabama game, I was really impressed with Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense. And that is what started my turn where I was really impressed with Texas. I thought they had a chance to win the national championship. That defensive line is incredible, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. But I've been impressed with Ewers this year. I think he's continued to, to grow and make really mature plays and mature decisions and hit big plays when available. So Texas, number 35 in the country in pass plays of 20-plus yards, number 20 in the country in pass plays of 30-plus yards. And Texas's receivers are no slouches either. They have an outstanding receiving core that I think is right there with Washington's, you have Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell as their top two. And those two guys are right there. Worthy, almost 1,000 yards on the season. Mitchell, just over 800 yards on the season. They combine for over 120 catches. And now on the other side of things, on the defense, Texas's defense is really good. 
but it's the front seven that's really good. The back end has been leaky. Same with Washington. Their back end has been leaky. Texas is number 69, and Washington is number 108 in terms of pass plays of 20-plus yards given up. When you go to even more explosive plays, 30-plus yards, Texas drops to 92. Washington goes up a little bit, but they're still number 102. I like the way both these teams can throw the ball around. I don't love the way that they defend the pass. Give me the over in this one. I'm thinking the over, 62-and-a-half. Now, I just talked about Texas's receiving core. I talked about one of their big-time targets, A.D. Mitchell. And I'm taking A.D. Mitchell on two-player prop bets here. I'm taking A.D. Mitchell for an anytime touchdown at plus 110, and I'm going to do a unit there. And I'm also taking A.D. Mitchell for two-plus touchdowns at plus 650. He's explosive. He's a big-bodied guy. He's 6'4". He's a red, and so he's a red zone threat. And over the course of this season, he's put up some outstanding numbers for the Longhorns. He has 10 touchdowns on the season, and it's not just one big game here or there. It's not just uh, a few big plays here or there. He has scored touchdowns in all but five games this season. So in eight out of 13 games, he scored a touchdown for them. And like I said, he will hit the big play. He's averaging almost 16 yards per catch, but they'll also use him in the red zone because he is a big target. He has that big frame. And oh, don't forget, this is a guy who has been there before. He's a guy who comes from Georgia where he won back-to-back national titles with them. He's played in four playoff games. And guess what? He's scored a touchdown in every CFP game that he's played with. Last year, he caught the game winner against Ohio State with under a minute to go. And then two years ago, in the fourth quarter, the dogs are down to Alabama, the team that they had not been able to beat up until that point. He catches a 40-yard touchdown pass to put Georgia back on top. This guy has it all. He's been great for Texas this season. He's been great in college football playoff games of the past. He's been there in these big moments, which I really do think is important because think about anything you've done in your life that's high pressure, that's high stakes. If you do it and you do it well and you're comfortable, you will only feel more comfortable going forward. Think about the first time you gave a big presentation at work to uh, an executive, right? You did well on that first one. You felt good. You only did better from there. And A.D. Mitchell has proven he can come up in these big moments. I think he should have a ton of confidence going into this game. We talked about that leaky Washington back end. So I like these A.D. Mitchell player props as well. So how does Washington win this game? Well, I think it's honestly pretty simple. They got to outscore Texas. They got to turn this thing into a shootout. They got to go up and down the field, and they got to find a way to get some pressure on Quinn Ewers and turn him more into the quarterback that we saw at times last year that could that completed had games where he completed less than 50% of his passes, that had games where he threw the ball away, where he turned the ball over. 
Now, Washington also has been very good this year at coming up with timely plays on defense, big plays. Against Oregon the first time around, they were great in those high-leverage situations, stopping Oregon on fourth-down situations, on that fourth-and-goal at the end of the first half. They were really, really good. They came up big when it mattered. I don't know how repeatable that is, but Texas has struggled a little bit at times in the red zone. Washington has been the much better red zone team offensively than Texas has. They've converted a a much higher percentage of their red zone attempts to touchdowns than Texas has. So if there was a, a time, a place for Washington's defense to come up big, it would be then and there. And I think they're going to need it. They're going to need to come up with some big plays. For Texas, I think if they control this game on offense, if they run the ball, if they keep Michael Penix off the field, they're going to be in a really good, they're going to be in really good shape to win. I think if you break this down unit by unit, you look at all the matchups, Texas feels like they actually are are the better team in nine out of 10 areas in 90% of the game. They feel like they're the better team. They're the more well-rounded team. Most certainly they have this front seven. They have these defensive linemen in sweat and Murphy who haven't let anybody run on them all year long, but their weakness is the back end. It's kind of a terrible matchup for them. The worst case scenario where what Washington does best is throw the ball down the field. Washington doesn't need to run the ball. Now they have been better running the ball with Dylan Johnson. They've given him more touches the back half of the season. And I think it's helped them be a little bit more well-rounded, but they don't have to. And I think that's, that's why it's the worst matchup for Texas because this is a team that doesn't care about running the football. If if Texas was playing Michigan, I would take Texas. I would absolutely take Texas hands down. I take them on the money line, take them on the spread because Texas can shut down that running game and I'm not sure that they really have to worry a ton about Michigan hitting home runs on them in the passing game. But Washington's a different story. Washington can take advantage of that back end. That's why I'm betting the over in this one. So I think for Texas, they need to use their running game and they need to control the game a little bit on offense. They need to keep my Michael Penix off the field. They need to keep that Washington offense off the field. And that's the easy recipe for them to win the game. Now, I think they can win in a shootout because I do like their receivers so much. I do like their offense, but I think the better recipe for them is keeping Michael Penix off the field, controlling the game offensively, running the ball, which they absolutely can do. They lost Jonathan Brooks for the year, but CJ Baxter and Jaden Blue have filled in very well for him and I think if they control the game if they keep Penix off the field that's the best recipe for success for Texas if I had to pick this game I think Texas is the overall all-around better football team but from a matchup perspective 
I like that Washington offense against that Texas back end. So I would take Washington plus four and a half in that in this one. It gives you a little wiggle room uh, for Texas still to win and Washington to cover. I'm not taking it because of my my preseason future bets here. I feel like I have things pretty well covered in that area. Whoever comes out of this game uh, will give me an opportunity to make some money in the national title game. So I am going to go with the total in this one and those AD Mitchell player props. Keep it tuned to my social media at Gorgon Sports for some additional picks for Friday's bowl games, Saturday's bowl games, including some of the, the New Year's Six games. The next time I talk to you it will be after the college ball playoff semis. So enjoy the games, everybody. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. <laughs>